Well, welcome to 10 Years of Undercurrents. This is episode one. This is the premiere episode. We've recorded a bunch. This is totally backwards. <laughs> this is like our last, second last episode to record. Um, but that's okay. Uh, today I am joined by uh, pa- Patrick Gaudier, who is our festival director, and uh, Lizanne Johnson, who was the uh, artistic director at the GCTC when Undercurrent started. That's right. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um all right, well, let's start at the very beginning. How the heck did Undercurrents come to be? <laughs> uh, it was Lizanne's idea, and I've talked a lot uh, over the course of these, uh, although this is the first one, so people don't know that yet. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you're in for a treat. <laughs> I, I, I hope you don't mind my voice. Um, so I'll, 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 I'll get started, but I want to turn over to Lizanne because I'm more interested in what she remembers than what I remember. Um, so there was a backyard barbecue, which was an event GCTC used to do. Uh, and that was this. It was this was the first one, and it was at Jordan Tannehill's parents' backyard <laughs> in like the East End. All right. So really, this is all like Jordan Tannehill's fault. Like going going back. I hope Absolutely. you're listening. I hope you're listening. Yeah. Oh, we'll we'll send it to him. <laughs> um, and there was so part of that process of the backyard barbecues, and I wasn't even working there at the time at GCC at the time. I think I was just a community member that just went. Um, but my Metcalf had been confirmed. I remember that because I did a Metcalf at GCTC, a Metcalf grant, mm-hmm. uh, 2009-10 season. So I think this was like summer 2009 or something, this barbecue happened, um, looking back. And so the part of that process was getting feedback from the community on different things. Uh, and one thing people mentioned was that they wanted to use the studio, the GCTC studio, because the building was still relatively new then yeah. too, right? Yeah. Um, they wanted to use the studio, but they weren't able to access it because it was uh, expensive, mm. right? The, mm-hmm. the tech was expensive and the rental prices Lizanne were expensive. I mean, that, but, but Lizanne also had different... Mo- as AD, Lizanne, I recall having motivations uh, for wanting to, to animate the space as well. Yeah, so, um, okay, you have to jump in and help me because sure. this was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have a terrible memory. It was so like 12, years, it was like 12 really years ago. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was. So I'm counting on you to help uh, refresh my memory here. Uh, but there were there were a number of factors I think that that converged to make us go, hey, we should do something that looks something like a festival that could use the studio space at GCTC in a in a way that uh, wasn't being used. So the backyard barbecue was one of the big impetuses behind um, undercurrents, uh, and it, the backyard barbecue was meant to bring the com- the Ottawa theater community together in a kind of open space forum. To, to have them in a really brainstormy kind of way go, what does the community need? And independent production opportunities, access to space, access to professional development, access to showcasing work came out of, of, of that conversation. And I think alongside that was on GCTC side a feeling like the space was being underused. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it hadn't really worked as a rental space because it was it's an awkward space as a rental space. Yeah. It's it's a lovely performance space and you can configure it in a bunch of different ways. But 
you can't get that many people in in yeah. terms of mm-hmm. generating enough revenue box office um, space. So it, it, it wasn't a super attractive option for, for people who were out there in the independent scene trying to produce a, a show mm-hmm. and actually break, you know, God forbid, at least try to break even <laughs> on it. Um, so, so it was being underused. Uh, it was primarily being used as a rehearsal space uh, because it's also the way the building was, was designed. Um, and I thought that wasn't super artistically interesting. Um, there was also th- uh, some things that happened in that space that, that allowed us to see the possibilities of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I can't remember when this was, but GCTC partnered with the NAC uh, in terms of the scene festivals. And that was kind of an ongoing relationship we had for a while. And through that, we brought in uh, theater replacements, uh, bio boxes. Was it Theater Replacement yeah. that was ultimately the producer of that? It was, yep. eh? So we brought Bioboxes in it. It is still one of my most favorite shows. I know you have a, a soft spot for that piece, too. Absolutely. And it and the, the studio theater was the perfect place for that because it was so intimate. It was set up in a different way. And it gave audiences just a completely different kind of experience, not just of the narrative, but also of that one-on-one relationship with. And so that piece really resonated me, and yeah. it really stuck with me. And and Pat, like I know that we had many conversations about all the other kind of smaller festivals that had been happening, you mm-hmm. know, across the country. Um, you're gonna have to help me out because I don't even remember all the names of them. But like Next Fest was out there. There was also yeah, was n- there was um, Revolver Festival, uh, Wild Side, Wild Side. There were a bunch of them that had momentum, but there was no real network that connected them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you would s- and there were all of these shows that I would go because I traveled a lot to see to see work. Um, in terms of season planning, I often fell in love with a lot of the smaller pieces, mm-hmm. but they weren't necessarily the right fit for the subscription season audience or the space, the main stage yeah. space at GCTC. And I kept, so I think a bunch of things converged. I think it was the the community desire, the, the, the sense of the space, these exciting festivals and shows that were going on. And then really the other key element was Pat and, <laughs> and the fact that Pat got a Metcalf grant uh, to come and, and do an internship at GCTC and so and and had a lot of um, chops as an independent producer as well as an, an artist in his own right and so those things came together and, and I think if you hadn't come I'm not sure how far it would have gotten so suddenly we had somebody who had the ability the time the support uh, and the mm-hmm. opportunity yeah we didn't have a lot of money to put <laughs> behind it but we had people and belief and desire yeah so there you go. That's my yeah. spiel about <laughs> what I remember no. converged to bring about undercurrents. No, that, that matches my memories too, right? I mean, I remember looking at, I remember, you know, my first week or second week, you know, you kind of laying it out, like, remember the barbecue and this thing, and this is the, you know, I want to explore doing this. And so I remember, you know, a lot of my, f- my internship there was designed around designing a yes. festival that I luckily then got to produce after the Metcalf was done. <laughs> but <laughs> it's very convenient. Right, yeah. It's like, okay, now that you've done that, <laughs> would you like the contract? Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, so a lot of it was around that, but then it was, you know, there's also all these, there are all these needs in the community that it could fill, right? Like looking at like when you, when you take a step back from, you know, the artistic reasons to do it, which were very strong and then the community desire, but you know, there was no, there was no venue for shows that were like not fringe shows, but not main stage shows. Yeah. Right. Like there's nowhere for these places, these shows to go, whether local artists or at a town artist. Yeah. It still feels that way in Ottawa. If if undercurrents wasn't there. I think there's the that gap would still exist. It's really filling a certain need. 
Yeah. And that was there from the beginning, the desire to bring the Ottawa theatre community into contact with other people who were doing similar types of things across mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. and to try and, you know, build sort of connections, networks, um, partnerships, potential for people to move, you know, in and out of projects. So it was about, it w- always had a bit of an, a national but local flavor. Yeah, because we were always committed to like putting local artists in it. And it was always going to, you know, when we, when we figured out the model, it was going to be 50% local, 50% touring. And there was that kind of back and forth, like, should it be more local? You know, it couldn't really be more touring because we couldn't afford it, but should it be more local? But that this idea of, it's important, one, to, for local artists and local audiences to see this work that they couldn't otherwise see. Because a lot of these shows aren't going to come to the NAC and they're not going to be on GSTC's main stage. And there's good reasons for that, but they're yeah. just, they're just mm-hmm. not going to be there, right? Um, and then there's also, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to put it in, you know, the first festival started in January. It was a January date. I was looking at old programs. It's, it's always been a February yeah. festival to me. but It like was January 28th. Something like think, that, yeah. right? And we wanted to put it in, try to almost create a touring circuit because you had wild side in, in, in January, you had next stage in January and those are Montreal, Toronto festivals. Mm-hmm. Then you had festivals at West that kind of happened in like high performance radio and stuff that were like February, March. It's true. We were really specific with the dates. Yes. I don't know that that ever made no, sense. No, it didn't. Yeah. I mean, you'd be pretty lucky to get into all of those and make a tour. Yeah, out of right? it. But we, but we yeah. thought even if artists could do two of them, right. Yeah. Or if artists could, you know, like, or we could share programming or whatever, it never worked out as we, envisioned it but it's still in terms of the local calendar it's also a good spot because it's far enough away from the fringe festival that it's not going to infringe on infringe on the fringe right it's not going to do that um and there's also like not a lot else going on locally right like winterlude's happening but it's not really there's not really a theater community component to that it's it's a family component during the weekend you know so there's Mm -hmm. there's not a lot happening in in ottawa um during that time in terms of other other stuff to compete against as in like you know the fringe in the summer there's three other festivals happening at the same time as the fringe and you know whatever that's fine um but we were kind of on our own little island being in that like late january morphed into early february time space so that was really really good too can i ask you a question sure and maybe this is the subject of all of the other podcasts <laughs> you've already uh, recorded but um you because you've been the through line mm-hmm. of this festival since it's it started what's been the biggest evolution? What's been its biggest strength and what's been the biggest change? That's a great question. I don't think we've asked it. No, we haven't yet. Um, I mean, the evolution, just how the model has changed and what what the community's expectations are of undercurrents. Um, Because I think at the beginning, it was like a really happy to have it, like happy to be here for the community. But now that it's 10 years, it's kind of entrenched. There's more, you know, and I, I don't, the ownership is yeah ownership is, that the ownership is and and yeah. in a way that probably was also enabled by the fact that it transferred from GCTC yeah. to the Fringe Festival and it is a totally community owned festival now, yeah and, isn't it? and and then creating underdevelopment in 2015 16 right and it was modeled right. after because you did at GCTC we did the company in residence which yeah. is another thing you wanted to do which it was sort which of fed actually into undercurrents absolutely right? so yeah. all of the work that Nick did and Emily did that they would did as company in residence that actually ended yeah. up I think in the first and uh, of uh, belly of a whale it yeah. was the second one and then skeleton key theater they were also a yeah. company in residence um and then that kind of formed the basis for you know, looking w- how beneficial that was to those artists and when we moved here and we had these space resources that we didn't have at gctc like we have rehearsal rooms here and things that we didn't yeah. have at gctc right there's yeah. just no space there or if there is it's just used all the time because there's six shows plus 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 happening mm-hmm. in that building right 
Um, so being able to start this development pro project and tell artists that like, yeah, I'm not going to put you in the 2018 festival, I'm going to put you in the 2019 festival, and then, but I'm going to give you a year and I'm going to give you 50 hours of rehearsal space and I'm going to give you all the support and then your show is going to be like 20 times better because it's going to be like cooked instead of that desire that I think we all have to just like get it on stage and do it right now, right? Yeah. The urgency that artists feel, which is I feel it too, right? Um, so yeah, there, that I think was a huge evolution, right? And and it just it up it up the level, it leveled up everything that artists were able to do, and it, then it also gives us a pipeline because one thing that you know scared me one year is I remember one year there was just like there was no programming, like I, you know I try to look ahead now, I try to program two, I'm programming two or three years ahead sometimes in terms of yeah. getting artists you know prepped to be in the festival, but I remember I, I can't remember I think it was twenty I think it might have been 2015 when we started here. Like I hadn't done any prep because I thought I wasn't running the festival anymore. Yeah. Right? So and all I, of a sudden you had a festival program. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's no programming and it's just like, Oh man, like I need to you know. And I, I use a lot of sports metaphors, but I want to think of it like a, like a farm team in baseball, right. Where you can look down and say like, Oh, I have this show in t one year and this show in two years. And, and just that again, enable mm -hmm. how we can plan for the festival and plan around those shows. And um, it's much better for artists, oh, particularly yeah. if this is a, f a festival that is about showcasing independent creation, new work, pe pieces that are, are iterative and in development yeah. and mm -hmm. are continually growing and changing and experimenting, then, you know, it can't just be a one-off festival, right? It needs to be something yeah. that, that yeah. has a has a room to seed and grow and be developed and supported. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. So who were you able to find local for the 2015 festival? Uh, 2015 festival, we had uh, Feckin' Pirates. Oh, yeah. Which was just a show that had just happened uh, at the Gladstone. Right? Yeah, Matt, yeah. Yeah. Margo and Richard, right. uh, directed by Al Connors. Uh, then we had uh, Thunk Theater. So Jeff McBride yep. and Karen uh, Far and Near and Here. That was a premiere. And then the Peptides. Oh. Uh, did their Love Plus Hate, yeah. which was a show they'd done at the Fringe, the BYOV, the summer before. Um, and I'd actually spoken to them. I met them actually at Seth's house. Uh, <laughs> Seth was the former production manager at GCTC. Uh, I met them at his house at a dinner party, uh, and they were like, oh, hey, you're on the Fringe. We want to do, fr do a Fringe show. Can we do that? So we talked about that, and then I talked about Undercurrents. Like, we'd rather do Undercurrents, actually. And <laughs> it's like, well, why don't we do the Fringe show first, and then we see how it goes. And they did the Fringe show, and it was a, a big hit at Mercury Lounge, and then they kind of yeah. transferred here. So that was just like, there was some serendipity there, right? Where nice. shows that existed and stuff already, and, yeah. and we were able to pull some out-of-town shows uh, for that first year as well. Yeah. So how, how I want to talk about the very first year of Undercurrents. Like, how what was the programming process like was it applications or did you just for the first year reach out to shows that you knew would fit well i think we put out a call yeah, for we applications did. yeah. didn't we yeah we did yeah, yeah we did a call and then did we do was that was there a national call and a local call or one call i can't uh, remember i think there was we sent it out like via e-drive and portal so we did we, we 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 did the call for like a national call and a local call. Okay. Whether they were different calls, I don't remember. Okay. Um, but I know, like, the sh programming was... Um, I think Jerry did, right? We, yeah. We, we put we together a little uh, a committee. You, it was, you and me. Oh, it was you, you and me. You oh, and me. You and me. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was the half, two thirds of this room is what it was. Um, and I remember the show, I mean, Shadows was the first yeah, show. First show ever. Yeah, and that was Margo. And that yeah. had just been a huge hit at the Fringe. Mm -hmm. um, then we had This Is a Recording, which Simon Bradshaw and Kelly Rigoli, and that was a verbatim show they had done, I think, two fringes ago. Okay. Um, and then, oh man, I always forget one show every time I talk about any year. There's always, I can always... Um, was I, Ladies of the Lake? 
first or that, year? That was, that was another, that was another second, year, second year or third year. Third year was okay. Ladies and Lake. But then nationally we had... Should have brought some programs uh, out. We had <laughs> Spent, which was uh, Theater Why Not, Theater Smith Gilmore, Ravi Jane, uh, right. and Adam Palazza. Right. We that had, was an excellent show. It was a great show. Oh, we had the Fort Mac show. That was the second year. Oh, that was the second year. Uh, we had... Um, we had Mako and Jamie's Second staff. year as well. Oh, all right. <laughs> Don't ask me then what was the first year. Uh, Hard Ways, that was Jason Cadia. He's working at Shaw now. Right. Um, his solo show. Uh, Directed again. by Sarah Stanley, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now that I'm missing two, and I didn't bring the programs or anything up, and these artists are going to be so mad at me for forgetting their we'll, we'll apologize. I'll put in I some, some B-roll <laughs> of me just listing <laughs> off the, uh, the lineup. <laughs> Um, but there was definitely another local show that year, and there was definitely another non-local show. There was also, um, oh, what's it? Oh, no, I can't remember. No. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have I ho- had it on the tip of my, my ho- tongue. My hopes were up. The Kevin Orr's piece. Bifurcate me. That was in the first year. Okay. That was it. You did it. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. Yeah. So that was a premiere. That was, bi- uh, that was uh, Kevin Orr directed it with Andy Massingham and Julie Legal, And it was like this kind of physical comedy I mean, yeah, tumbly piece. Yeah, that was kind of totally off the wall. Yeah, piece. and it was just like they had this. They had this chalkboard. I can't remember if the chalkboard was on the if the chalkboards the were ground. like on the ground. I think, yeah. but like this is like Andy Massingham, who's like a big dude, you know, and Julie, who's like a tall woman as well, right? And again, like, this, you, like Lisa mentioned earlier, when you have seats in the studio, like we put seventy seats in there, but then you have like you know a, a postage stamp for a, a stage space right yeah. there's nothing so to put these two large actors who are like tumbling around all over the place <laughs> like in the studio it's like it's hazardous um so i also remember we tried to animate some of the spaces outside yeah. of the studio too and i can't remember exactly what shows there were but we we did a bunch of sarah experiments around sarah Khan did a thing that's uh right. yeah sarah Khan did a thing that ended up being it was an interview piece too right yeah it was a verbatim and then it, it turned into a show the following year they took that stuff and it became a show in the second year yeah. Um, the show was called, and this is, this is how it happens. And this is what happened or something. Oh, I can't mm. remember. Sorry, Sarah. So it was a complete <laughs> experiment in terms of form yeah. and development of content. Yeah. And it was completely outside of the box. Yeah. And that's what we wanted the festival to do, right? We wanted to like yeah. allow artists to like take these risks and, you know, we, and there was, it's always been guaranteed fees, which has been great. Right. Yeah. Um, the fees have thankfully grown over the years. We're paying significantly more now than we were paying then. Um, but we, you know, the festival is more established now. We yeah. have more resources now. Sorry, first year artists. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have grant resources now, right? Like we just uh, we just applied yeah. to Canada Council for core funding, which is like huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had not been eligible for it before, and now this for the you know we had a we've been getting project grants from the Canada Council, and then last year we got a composite grant, so that's a three year grant, so that adds some stability to the budget. We don't have to write the same grant every year, and you know, cross our fingers and hope. Yeah. And now this year we were eligible for core for the first time, so that's like a really big deal. You know, it's my since the festival started my goal had been like stable funding for the festival and we d- it took 10 years to yeah. t- it took wow. 10 years to, to be eligible for it you know we may not get it I, you know mm-hmm. I, I think we have a good shot but who knows yeah. it's grants are grants but mm. i will not comment as an, <laughs> as an employee of the canada council i have no comment what lessons did you learn from your very first year of undercurrents in the next two three years what did you take away from you know the first shot at it oh that's a great question 
Um, Sorry, I didn't prep you. That's okay. <laughs> I should I should just know these things. Um, I mean, the format. I mean, there there was an, there was an audience for it. The format, you know, like the first year attendance was good. I think it was. I remember it being. It was. I, yeah. Actually, that was something I wanted. I did want to say is that that's the other thing that really struck me from those first years is you know you start a festival you have no idea who's going to come. Like, is anybody going to show up? Mm-hmm. But there was a real audience and an appetite for it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're trying to fill huge houses yeah. or anything, but there was a buzz. Like people bought passes. They came to see you know multiple shows it wasn't just i'm going to come see the show that my mm-hmm. friend is in they actually came and they stayed well, and they were enthusiastic about it they yeah. they really their that audience wanted to see the kind of work that was on the stage that was it was different it was challenging it mm-hmm. was people trying different things well i mean speaking from a little bit of experience i was a student at u ottawa and went to undercurrents and we we too 3,000, we do 5,000. Mm. That was the first time I had seen a show that was so interactive with the audience and like kind of, you know, it was it was so outside the realm of just a traditional play drama. And I remember seeing that and I was like, that's cool theater. Like that's that's the type of theater I want to get into, you know? Yeah. So I think there was a thirst for it. I mean, in a, in a city where there are so many theater students because Algonquin's pro- program was still around right. then and, yeah. you know, uh, just this desire to see, okay, what what's in... Sometimes when you come to Ottawa, you look at the theater scene, you're like, what's in between the fringe and the NAC? <laughs> like, where, where, you know, what else is there? Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's what, again, that's like one of the things we wanted to do, right? We take these shows that, like, WeTube was great. I mean, I love that show. It's one yeah. of my, you know, I mean, I, I'm in, I'm I mean, they so handed out snacks. So yeah. I will always remember a show that gave me food. They were um, cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so in the tank for theater replacement, uh, just in general, like, bio mm. boxes, we t- you know, like, I'm just in the tank for those 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 guys that team yeah and um and so to be able to bring that and then you know and again show people that theater is not just shakespeare and you know mm-hmm. canadian realism right like there, there's some a, a wider breadth of theater yeah um I, I think that's that was one of the goals of the festival this artistic exchange or just show these you know like show show people what theater could be and um that, that it's yeah yeah that not everything has to be a kitchen sink drama. That's, you know? that's what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, there's there's room to grow past that. Yeah. Well, um, so we're... Sorry, sorry, can we talk about one more thing? Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about the name of the festival yet. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, oh, <laughs> I, I meant to ask about that, actually. I, I forgot to make a note. Yeah. I want to know what the name of the festival. Yeah. How did Undercurrents... Okay. Come to be. So you may have a different memory of this. Yeah, although go for we it. Will probably have, we probably will have different versions of the same yeah. answer. So GCTC... The Irving Greenberg Theater Center mm-hmm. was built uh, as a public-private partnership. So it was it, it's the ground floor of a condo building. Yeah. And the condo building is called The Current. Yes. And so we had a bunch of different names. We had some terrible names. We had some t- I can't remember what those terrible names were, yeah. but we had uh, a bunch of bad contenders. And then somehow, I don't know, did you come up with Kate it? Kate Smith did. Kate came up yeah. with it. We That's were right. Yeah. Okay, you tell the story. Well, no, because it's very similar. Because, like, yeah, because people assumed because we were under the currents that that's why we named it Undercurrents. Because yeah. the studio was, like, on the top floor or the top floor of the theater anyway, right? Um, but we had come up with, like, we were, we were like, we were trying to think. Because naming things are so hard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I write plays, writing naming a play is, like, it's the first thing I come up with or the last thing I come up with. Like, there's, like, no in between. Yeah. Um, and it's just, like, you know, it's kind of like you're going to give it this name and it, it could sink or swim based on does the name sound good, right? Yeah. And we came up with a bunch of puns or, like, based around winter, based around being in parliament like, like i think there was like the capital festival or like the frozen fest oh or, my god you know i think frigid might have been one but then there's a festival called frigid in new york already so we like yeah. we discarded that and then i remember sitting around with kate one night 
uh, at you know at home or whatever, and just like we can't like just naming is so hard, and then she like because she's really it's fucking frustrating because she's good at this kind of stuff. But, <laughs> like, uh, but she, I remember her saying I, I can't I can't and I can't remember and I asked her how she came up with it. And she couldn't remember what led her to it, but I remember sitting on the couch and she's just like undercurrents, and we were both like, that's perfect, that's perfect, and I said theater below the mainstream, and she was like, there's your title, oh, there there's you your go. title. And we um, stuck with it. And then I came in the yeah. next day and you were just like, yes, that's it. And it yeah. was just like, part of it was yeah. like, it's a good name, but also like this, the relief of yeah. being, of it being named. But then again, like, like you mentioned, people thought because we were under the currents that that's what yeah, people. But it was, it was, it was one of those things yeah. where everything came together yeah. and you're like, yeah. it, it is perfect. Yeah. It, it captured the, what we were trying to do uh, mm-hmm. and it had this kind of, you know, comes back to the space. It really was yeah. underneath the currents. Yeah. And so. I only noticed like last year that those condo buildings were called the currents. And I remember I like texted you one night after DCTC <laughs> show. I was like, Oh my God, is this why it's called undercurrents? <laughs> because it just made so it made so much sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, well, we, we do have to wrap up, but I, I just want to end on if anyone has like a, like a, a standout memory from the, from the first couple of years of undercurrent something or something that you're really proud of any, anything like that. So proud that it's it's still happening. I'm 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 so thrilled that this idea that really sprung out of Jordan Tannehill's parents' <laughs> backyard, <laughs> and we're talking Ottawa suburbs of the suburbs, <laughs> and the, I don't know how the community managed to trek its way out there. It's actually. true, actually. Yeah. Like yeah. That now, do his parents get royalties for <laughs> undergrads? <laughs> Heartfelt yeah. thanks, actually. Yeah, free tickets. If they want, if you, already, if you want free tickets, exactly. you know. Exactly. But this idea that sprang out of a back, literally sprang out of a backyard yeah. 10 mm-hmm. years later is now, uh, well, you know, has some resources, has yeah. incredible community support behind it, and is, has managed to support that many, you know, exciting artists. And how many shows do you know? Have you done oh, the tally? Oh, I haven't done the tally. I mean, we've done 19. We, 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 we did it the other day. Did we? Yeah, because it's an average of seven shows a year right. was what we averaged it out to so uh, 70 plus yeah. yeah so over 70 shows we've had 19 world premieres after this year that's incredible yeah. which is like basically two well per done. year right yeah. well like, and that and that's to you guys that that's thank incredible. you and th- that's what i'm super proud of right like because yeah. how many of those shows wouldn't have happened if undercurrents hadn't existed like mm-hmm. who knows but like many of them i would imagine would yeah. not have happened or they would have happened differently or they would have been a fringe show you know and and then also that you know the festival's got enough of a reputation now that it's attracting people from across the country to come see shows and then program those shows in other places, mm-hmm. right? Like that was, you know, I get proud about those things, right? Yeah. When, when Nora Payton gets programmed, she does Burnt in Ottawa and then she gets programmed at FemFest in Winnipeg. Like that's killer, right? Or when yeah. Lightless gets picked up to do a run with Carousel Players in St. Ken. Like that's, that's great, right? Those, mm-hmm. are, those are things that like are good for the community. It's good for the festival. Like everybody kind of wins, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking back to the first festival, like will, any, will anyone come? Was, you know, like, is anyone going to come in the community? But then, like, you know, but some presenters even came that first year. Yeah. I remember, right? And, and I think we had some workshops, too, yeah. where we had, uh, was it Naomi Campbell came? Naomi in came and did, like, a touring workshop. Yeah, a touring workshop for, yeah. for local artists who were interested in taking their shows on the road. Yeah, and the, fo- cool. the following year, James and Michael did a workshop. Yeah. Uh, I remember, again, we just, like, they did the w- workshop on the main stage because we couldn't have the studio because it was being <laughs> turned over for something else, right? Yeah. So they did the workshop on the main stage and... Uh, yeah, so that's what like you know, I'm proud of just the the, the the number of shows that have come from the community that the festival has like inspired or seeded or, or whatever. Yeah. Well thank you both so much for joining me for this conversation about the beginning of undercurrents. 
Uh, make sure you check out Undercurrents, our 10th anniversary, February 5th to 15th. You can find tickets and information at undercurrentsfestival.ca. Thank you so much for listening to 10 Years of Undercurrents, the podcast. The opening song is created by Ali Harris. Our sound engineer is Ted Forbes. The festival was programmed by Patrick Gautier and Britt Johnston. And the podcast is hosted and edited by me, Amanda Logan. Make sure you check out the 10th anniversary of Undercurrents, February 5th to 15th at Arts Court Theatre.